I'm Krista Gerhard. And I'm Karen Foster. And this is Your Brain On by Salience Learning, a podcast by learning and development professionals for learning and development professionals. You're listening to part two of our series on virtual learning. So a lot of times what we like to try to drive towards in our learning experiences is having multiple facilitators or or multiple voices chiming in on uh, the experience so that there's variety of of the individuals speaking on the other end of, of that virtual experience. So maybe some tips and tricks for those who are facilitating or taking part in the the presentation of content? Well, you know, it's a great point. And much like this podcast is a conversation between the two of us, uh, we do know that, that adults like to uh, listen and, and be part of a conversation and, and learn from, from that kind of dialogue rather than a direct uh, dissemination of rules and lists to do. Um, so in that same way, in our virtual designs, we like to incorporate a subject matter expert to, as you say, present the content um, and then maybe a master of, of ceremonies to sort of facilitate a dialogue with that subject matter expert. Um, of course, this does require, you know, the advanced um, planning uh, of, you know, possibly bulleted lists uh, or aligned questions between both the subject matter expert and the master of ceremonies, because you still want to keep things very structured uh, and driving towards specific questions uh, rather than, you know, unfortunately opening, you know, rambling uh, into the weeds conversation. So that's another way to provide um, engagement and richness in a virtual environment. I can tell you that when we did do this recently, learners were engaged. They were um, very interested and uh, commented afterwards how much they appreciated the opportunity to not only hear from a subject matter expert, but have someone facilitate the questions that were coming in to ensure they were as the relevant and um, true problem-solving questions. So le- learners appreciated it. They they love to hear from um, experts in their field. Um, however, you know, the caution, of course, is, and this is why we take the design of pairing an expert with a facilitator is experts can often make the worst teachers because their expertise is so intense, they'll forget what a novice learner maybe needs to know or understand. So that's why it's so important to have a a master of ceremonies or facilitator to clarify acronyms or pose clarifying questions directly to the SME, the subject matter expert. Uh, And really, we've done that and we've seen it be incredibly successful. And it really is a balance, right? Uh, The learners appreciate it. They feel like they're in conversation with the subject matter expert. And and it really drives them to be more curious and ask more questions as they go along in their learning journey as well. I think it also brings personality to the the session, right? You have somebody who really knows the content. And to your point, because they know the content, they may not know what's most relevant for what that learner needs to know at that one particular time. And if you have that qualified master of ceremony or just co-facilitator, they're able to really tease out those points that are most important for them, uh, for the learner to really absorb. I think it also 
helps when you lack the interaction of a live setting where people can use that time to network with each other. They can use that time to, to your earlier comment, read personal cues of other individuals, you know, create emotion and, and, and excitement in that live setting. A lot of these things are lost in a virtual setting. So having two folks at, at the helm here really have the ability to bring more life and energy into what could be a very mundane presentation, a very clinical content of, of whatnot. So I think that's really uh, an important one to note. I The other thing I'd like to just touch on a little bit is around the importance of creating a, a safe learning environment with the appropriate expectations and what that does for the broader experience. So maybe you could speak a little bit about um, what we do when we set up a, a learning experience at the forefront, what we enable or empower both our facilitators and our learners um, to know and do during the experience that ultimately helps them really want to become engaged in what it is that we're doing that day. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and creating a, a, a safe learning environment might seem a bit um, uh, juvenile, but at the same time, it's so important, especially in um, adult learning, to allow the the learner to be comfortable in not knowing everything, right? So we'll set up the fact that that the the the, the knowledge is is not only you know in an SME and a facilitator, but it's also within the room. And so you want people to to understand that and recognize that, that they bring a rich set of experiences and prior knowledge. Um, you know, adult learning isn't like our kids' K-12 learning, right? Typically a, a sixth grader or 11 or 12-year-old will be in sixth grade, and there's a pretty general understanding and acceptance of what that, that learner's abilities are. But in an adult population, you know, you can have a variety and a wide range of that. And so by setting those expectations early, you recognize that and, and appreciate that. And people then are much more open to share, not only during the session, but then after the session. So even from the beginning, we set up that learning is a continuous experience um, and that, you know, after the session, connect with each other, right? Because that drives not only individual learning, but the collective learning of the organization, which really provides value overall. Organizations are driving to uh, new different, new changes and new information. So I think it's some of those things um, where we try to, in the beginning of a virtual, you know, set up that expectation um, and model it um, through our, uh, the facilitator's own admission of, uh, you know, need for, for audience participation, for input, uh, and, and kind of assuming the best of the audience. What other thoughts do you have on that, Krista? Yeah, no, I, I think those are all really great tips. I think that our clients do a lot of metric tracking, right? Uh, to see how successful their virtual sessions are. It's, it can sometimes be driven by how many, uh, chats are, are submitted, how, what the level of interaction they have, you know, a variety of metrics that they can use to sort of assess whether or not the experience was engaging and interactive. So we always want to try to encourage um, those types of behaviors in a virtual setting that will help our stakeholders achieve the metrics that they're looking for in these typical settings. I think some of the things that I really like are, uh, you know, that our facilitators do during these virtual sessions is praise um, 
praise and acknowledge what they're seeing on the chat, right? It's not two separate um, experiences going on where somebody's just speaking. There's also a separate session where people are writing in and typing in, raising their hands, et cetera. So if we have the ability to not only acknowledge what they're seeing, praise it, and then ask probing questions from it. It's another way to you know acknowledge that the learner is being uh, heard during this session. And then if possible, you know, you take one of those questions and you turf it over to the subject matter expert or to whoever the appropriate facilitator is to address it. Again, you're driving that connectivity through two different formats within one virtual setting. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think what that brings up is the additional um, skill that a master of ceremonies or facilitator needs. Um, I can tell you, um, I think of my kids every time I go to facilitate because they're such good um, uh, rapid switchers, right? My son will be watching an iPad and playing a PS4 video game and, you know, texting his friends at the same time, right? So as a facilitator in a virtual classroom, you need to sort of take that role in the sense that you're watching the chats come in or you're getting questions fed to you from a chat monitor, depending upon the number of attendees you have. You're watching for hands raised. You're thinking ahead of the the topics that are coming up next and how you can tie the chat into that topic. Um, So it's a very rapid switching environment. Um, that without that practice can be kind of overwhelming. Um, so I know our most recent successful virtual launch we ran uh, was facilitated by our client, and he did an awesome job of really onboarding himself to 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 be, adapt these rapid switching habits uh, while you're facilitating live because you aren't just um, you know presenting information; you're engaging with an audience via polls and a variety of of information that's coming back to you. And to your point, if you don't acknowledge that, then the interaction will be diminished. And so we were really excited as, as a great, you know, L&D partner for that individual to coach him through that uh, as an additional value add, because he had never facilitated a, a virtual, uh, you know, large scale uh, launch program, uh, but he really did phenomenal. So it was, it was great to see. And it's a, it's a teachable skill as well, and, and one that, uh, you know, can t- pay dividends in this day and age. can't emphasize enough, preparation is key. Too often, um, our clients will just transition, all right, we're going live to virtual, it'll just be a two-hour WebEx, it'll be fine, go ahead. Well, if, we, if you, you can do that, but that means you're sacrificing certain experiences for the learner and you're sacrificing sort of the quality of the outcome. So I, I think if we really want to transition a live interactive experience to a virtual interactive experience, then you really have to take the time to prepare not only the right design for that experience, but prepare all of your stakeholders who are involved in this session. So whether it's your production person at the back of the house who is monitoring all your breakout rooms, it's your L&D person who is helping to support facilitation, it's your subject matter experts in marketing or KOLs who are offering that, that scientific expertise, Whatever it may be, or whoever they may be, or what role they're they're playing, they all need to come prepared because they need to be able to say the right thing at the right time with the right inflection. And preparation is key in order for that to happen. If they don't have it, then time runs over, 
you run out of time, you don't get the message across that you, you had hoped, you don't get the engagement that you would have liked. So I think I just can't emphasize that enough is that you, you not only have to prepare them on the platform and the experience, you have to prepare them in their ability to facilitate and to your point, rapidly switch in, in the variety of tasks that they may be asked to do. Yeah. And at Salience, we've been really excited over the past year and a half. We've been building our virtual capabilities, unknowingly that this you know world event would occur um, because we know it's, it's a way that companies can reach learners um, that is in a different modality, keeps them in the field, saves time, keeps us with our families as much as they're running around screaming behind us uh, on conference calls. Uh, so virtual learning at Salience is something as a competence see we've been developing and capability and it's been exciting to evolve and grow in our our experience and really you know not all L&D firms can do both live and virtual because they are different modalities like we said it is you know as if you're you're flying somewhere an airline pilot maybe could drive you in a car but it's going to have a lot different you know of an experience or expertise than a than someone who's uh you know, truck driver by trade, who's going to know driving trucks, right, from that standpoint. So we're, you know, we would just counsel the, you all as, as L&D professionals to really consider the partner that you have and their expertise, um, because we, we do see that there's other, you know, deliverables that get created for a virtual deployment, something like a show flow, right? So all the various roles, the SMEs, the facilitators, the production, everyone has a timeline flow of exactly what's happening across an event, um, not only in the platform, but also external. Uh, and it's it's really valuable to, to know of all those additional value add pieces. And, and it takes that village and, and those assets to really make a virtual training uh, successful. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Your Brain On by Salience Learning. We'll be back with more very soon. In the meantime, please remember to subscribe to us on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Krista Gerhard. See you next time.